But it's God's fault because that's exactly what the readings are. The readings, if you'll notice, last week's, this week's, and the coming week is all about conversion. So whenever we hear readings about conversion, those who are open to conversion, those who reject the opportunity, we really have to press into that and see where do I stand at this current moment in my life. My my favorite stories are always about people who change. Like I, I don't... I don't really enjoy movies or books about good people and bad people, good nations and bad nations, because that's not so much life. It's much more fascinating to me to see stories about good people who become bad, because that's a lesson, like the movie Breaking Bad, or the, you know, the show Breaking Bad, or, or bad people who become good, like Russell Crowe on 310 to Yuma. You know, it's like, and what it shows us is that no matter what, that, that ultimate battle is in every one of our hearts. And that's what Christ is always after. Where do I stand in my own heart with him? You know, it's just interesting. Like two of my closest friends in seminary, one of them was, uh, they are both a couple years older than me and ahead of me in formation. One of them they called the bar evangelizer because he spent more time trying to get out to Portland and like hang out at bars than he ever did in his books. We none of us thought that he'd actually become a priest. And uh, my other best friend, I'd wake him up at 5 a.m. every morning. We'd go downstairs, have coffee, um, do office of reading together, and then we'd go do a holy hour almost every day of the week. Two years into priesthood, the guy who was going to the bars most of the time is actually now a very holy, faithful, fruitful priest, doing a lot of great things. And my best friend in seminary, who I prayed with every day, spent so much time with, he left the priesthood within three years. That, that's never made sense to me, in a sense. I've always had to struggle with that, that. How can you begin as a no and then slowly become a yes, or become, begin as a yes and slowly become a no? And that's what Christ kind of tackles in our gospel. The Pharisees, those who were good, became bad because they closed themselves off to God's revelations. And the prostitutes and sinners, those who began as bad, became good because they were open to conversion and repentance when that time came. So the battle of good and evil, far more than in the world, I think, is in every one of our hearts. And what is the metric of good and bad within us? It's God's commandments. Do I say yes or no to God's commandments and God's will for my life? That's the ultimate metric of where I stand in the eyes of Jesus Christ. So Jesus gives us the parable about two imperfect sons. You know, one who began as a no when his father asked him to do his will and then went out and did it. And the, the other one said yes, but then little by little, you know, changed his mind and didn't end up doing his father's will. Right. I uh, had an individual come to me a while back. She was a woman who, she lived a life of great sin. She, she was raised up in the church, but as soon as she got to college, she threw it all away. And she told me, she goes, I, I really, the, going to college is what caused me to lose my faith because I really got drawn into the idea of feminism, of how the church is just an authoritarian structure trying to take away our freedom. So sexual liberation, the homosexual um, ideology, everything like that, she just lost herself to And she said, by doing that, especially by giving myself to immorality, I lost the faith. 
So she stayed away for 20 some years, right? And at the bottom, when everything began to crumble in her life, she was divorced, she was separated from her children, she lost her job, she didn't really have anything left. That's when she finally got on her knees and, and gave herself back to Christ. But she said, I was so afraid to step into a Catholic church until I knew that I was ready to follow it. So she started reading the scriptures every day, catechism, and really asking God the grace to convert her mind and her heart so she could truly come back to him. And she said the biggest thing that amazed her was when she went to a church and she went to talk to a priest about all these things that she was doing and believing. And the priest kind of gave her a sly kind of wink of like, well, it's not so bad. God loves everybody and the church needs to evolve her teachings anyway. She was just like, what? How is that possible that you guys who are supposed to be upholding the faith are the ones who are now silently going along with the ideas that are attacking it? And this is something I hear from converts, Protestants, who go through a lot of suffering, losing their family, sometimes even their jobs, a lot of their their friendships, to come into the Catholic Church, and they say there's just this silent ascent to so many of the things that we're trying to walk away from in the Protestant community, that Catholics don't really know or believe everything the Catholic Church teaches. And that's a great scandal, right? So it's like these people who are outside the church, they begin as a no to God. They experience the love of Christ. They experience that deep conversion. They come in and they become a yes. But then they find sometimes Catholics, especially Catholic leaders, who began as a yes to God, but somewhere along the way began saying no to some of his most fundamental commandments. And I do want to clarify. I want to instruct you in this homily. Because, number one, there's two people who come to this center, right? There's the students and the adults. Any student who is coming to Mass on a Sunday in the midst of our culture right now, your guys' faith is palpable. You have to have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ and a belief in him to even be here. And number two, you adults, you could go anywhere and you know we don't pull our punches, so you chose to come here. That's your fault. So I know that you're also in line with the teachings of the church. So what I want to do more than anything in this homily is educate us on what the fundamental problem I see in the Catholic Church today. And I think it is the, the Catholics who are in the church but do not live and believe everything the Catholic Church teaches. Right? At least the Fulton Sheen once said that when Jesus Christ preached the Eucharist in John 6, right, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will not have life within you, many of the disciples went away. It said the majority of the disciples walked away from him because they didn't understand the teaching. And yet, and what did Peter say? He turned to his apostles, will you also leave me? Peter said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. But then he says something further. Did I not choose all of you? Yet one of you is a devil. Speaking about Judas. Why did he call Judas a devil? Well, this is the first time he called Judas out. Because Judas didn't believe, but he stayed. Sometimes that's the worst thing we can do is stay in the presence of Christ when we don't actually believe in him. Because it's a dishonest relationship in that sense. 
biggest problem is that what we never want to be is a butt Catholic. You know what a butt Catholic is? Right? A Catholic who says, I'm a Catholic, but I don't believe in X, Y, or Z. I'm a Catholic, but I don't believe in the Eucharist. I'm a Catholic, but I don't think that you need to go to a priest to confess your sins. I'm a Catholic, but, you know, I still uh, believe that um, same-sex marriage is okay or contraceptives are okay, etc. You know what another word for a butt Catholic is? A, a what? Asshole. Yeah, no, that's another one. Um, not what came to my mind, but I'm glad it came from an 80-year-old woman. That's inspiring to me. That's great. So we need some comic relief today, so that's good. Thank you. This is not synonymous with that word, but Protestant is where I was going with that. So I don't know which one to work. Because a Protestant is a Catholic, but they don't believe one article of the faith or another, all right? And whether it be the, the infallibility of the church, and the inspired scriptures, um, or the Eucharist, or devotion of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is great. Um, okay. So, following that, I do think, though, this is where one of the biggest problems that Protestant has brought into the world is the subjectivity of Christianity. Where I can say that I believe in Jesus Christ, but I don't need to act on that. That's sola fide. And it's coming to the whole Christian community. It's really infected sometimes our belief as Catholics. When Christ himself says, those who say yes to my father, but don't do his will, are not in relationship with him. Like the Pharisees, right? And so if I have the concept that I can believe in Jesus Christ, but not strive to get my will in alignment, and my thoughts in alignment with everything that the church teaches, I'm, I'm not living an honest relationship there. That's false. And whose who's fault is that? Any thoughts over here? No? Okay. <laughs> whose fault is it when Catholics aren't believing what, what the church teaches? President Joe Biden. Obviously, right? <laughs> Whenever you're in a problem, blame the president. All right? That usually gets you through. No. It's us as priests and as fathers. You ever seen the movie Gladiator? What Marcus Aurelius says to Commodus? Your faults as a son are my failures as a father. That's why the most important thing for me as a priest, for the bishops, is for us to preach very clearly what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Because without that, you don't have the freedom to say yes or no. As a father, we have to make very clear the commandments of God. And then we are free as individuals to give our consent, to give our yes. And the devil loves ambiguity. The devil loves confusion. Right, the first, the God was very clear about do not eat the apple from the forbidden tree, right? But what was the first question the devil asked? Did God really say that you can't eat from the tree? Did God really say that? He puts it into confusion. And there's a lot of confusion about what the Catholic Church teaches in our times of, te- of fundamental teachings that will never change. And yet we're talking about it as if there's a possibility that God didn't say don't eat from those trees. And this is the fundamental drama of life, of every one of our lives according to Scripture, which is, do I say yes or no to God in His relationship with me? The essence of sin is a no to God. 
Right? They, did you know even the essence of Satanism? They, there's a creed in Satanism. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Just do your own will is the essence of Satanism. And the essence of Christianity that we see in the Blessed Virgin Mary and in Jesus Christ, let it be done to me according to your will. Father, not my will, but your will be done. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Even Satan, the beginning of time, when God first created angels, they weren't in heaven. All creatures have to go through a test. All of our life is a test, and based on that test, we'll be in heaven or hell for all eternity. And even the angels had to go through a test. And Satan, the meaning of the, the name Satan means non servion, I will not serve. And it says that Satan was able to convince a third of the angels in the rebellion against God. And the first thing that he did when he came into the garden was convince Adam and Eve to eat from the fruit, to say no to God. Now, I was actually listening to a talk from an exorcist this past week, and this is something that I never knew before, blew my mind, but they said the Blessed Virgin Mary is more powerful in exorcisms than the name of Jesus. Don't tell your Protestant brothers and sisters that because they will really take that the wrong way. She is not obviously God, right? Jesus is higher. But why is she more powerful in exorcism? Because she's a creature. And God has given her so much grace. And the demons hate the fact that Mary, who is so humble and low, has so much power. And the exorcist asked this demon, why is Mary so powerful? What makes her so powerful now? And the demon said, because throughout her entire life, she never said no to God, no matter what she sacrificed. Mary never said no to God. And that's why Jesus and Mary are our example of what we strive to be as Christians. In the second reading, Jesus Christ became obedient to the Father, even unto death and death on the cross. Jesus was the only son who said yes to the Father, then fulfilled that yes, even unto death. And Mary at the moment of the Annunciation, let it be done to me according to your word, took her all the way to the foot of the cross and even to the tomb of sacrificing her son. Mary was never a no to God. And the closer that we come to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the closer that we come to Jesus Christ, the more we ourselves become a yes to him in every aspect of our life, which is the goal of our faith. So I just invite you to really think in this Mass, is there any place in my life where I am saying no to God? And following just all the teachings of the Catholic Church, I wish it was enough, but it's not. That's the Pharisees, they, they followed every law, right? But they were still closed off to the invitation of Christ right in their presence. So number one, but that's the easy one. Is there anything in the teachings of the Catholic Church that I do not agree with? The inside I rebel against. And I invite you to really look into that this week. To try to understand why does the Catholic Church teach what it teaches. But secondly, the reason that Mary and Jesus were able to surrender themselves to the very end was because they trusted the Father. 
After we get out of the state of mortal sin, every sin that we're wrestling with comes down to distrust of God. Can I let myself go and you will take care of me? The fundamental temptation is control of my life because I don't believe the Father will protect me or take care of me in that, sp- in that place. The Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we believe that. We say, if you don't believe that, you need to cross your arms. But there's also another reason to cross your arms. Did you know that when we receive Holy Communion, we're not only saying amen at that moment, that I believe that Jesus Christ is truly present here, but I'm also saying amen to everything that the Catholic Church teaches. I'm saying that I assent to that. And if I'm receiving Holy Communion, while at the same time holding in my mind or in my heart beliefs that are contrary to the teachings of Scripture, then I'm actually, I'm not really open to communion. My body's telling a lie in that moment. The battle of good and evil is not in the world. It's in every single one of our hearts. And it's the metric of good and bad within us is obedience to God's will, his commandments. Do I say yes or no to God? And this month is October. It's the month dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Lady of Our Lady of the Rosary. So I just invite everyone here to strive this month to try to say one rosary a day. If you can't do that, one decade a day. And if you're that pathetic, you can't do that, do one Hail Mary a day, that's all. But just one decade even of striving to just pray the rosary and ask Mary that her same yes to God, the same yes that was always in the mind of Christ and in her might echo in every one of our hearts. That is a fundamental drama of every one of our lives.